Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Impact Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I'm Pastor Brandon, the church planter and lead pastor. We are a new church in the D.C. area that is centered on the gospel and sent to our neighborhoods, Northern Virginia, and the nations. Please visit our website at www.impactfxbg.church. There, you'll find our current meeting times and locations. Our prayer is that you are encouraged by the message you hear today and fall more in love with Jesus and others. Thanks for listening. That is so good. Hey, uh, if you have a Bible with you this morning, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Whether you have a a Bible or uh, you brought your phone or tablet with you, uh, you can turn or scroll with me to Ephesians chapter 4. I'll tell you what verse in just a second, but uh, man, if this is your first time to church uh, ever, or maybe your first time back to church in a long time, man, I just want to welcome you. We're glad you're here at Impact. We're a church that's two years old. We just started, and um, and we started this church for you, and so we're uh, really thankful that you're here with us today. Um, so the way we do this is we believe that the sermon time is not a time for the pastor to get up and woo us and awe us with a juggling act and do all of this crazy stuff to entertain us. We believe that we are God's people surrounding ourselves around God's word to hear a word from God today. And so I I just want to encourage you to participate. And some ways you can participate in the message without heckling me is you can can lean in, all right? Uh, You can lean forward. You can take notes. And uh, you can feel free to take notes on your phone or tablet. I just encourage you maybe put it on airplane mode or something so you don't get distracted as God is speaking to us today, and uh, you can participate. And one of the reasons we're going through the book of Ephesians, uh, church, is so that, one, we can be encouraged and we can be edified, but two, if you are here or if you miss a Sunday, you go back and listen to the podcast or watch the live stream, you will have notes on every single verse in the book of Ephesians, and then you can turn around and disciple someone else and teach them the book of Ephesians and how to follow Jesus through that. So this is not just a one and done, here, get more knowledge to be puffed up. This is a, no, here, let's train ourselves and encourage ourselves so that we can go out and help other people follow Jesus. So that's why we're doing this, and uh, I'm, I'm really excited to do that. Um, hey, let me ask you guys a question as we dive into Ephesians chapter 4. Have you ever, you ever used the phrase, the good old days? You ever thought about that? Like, what are the good old days, you know? It's really funny because now I'm getting old, and my son reminds me of how old I am because constantly he's like, Daddy, you may, I was just sitting here thinking, Zeke, what are you thinking about? He goes, I was just sitting here thinking, I cannot believe you were born in the 1900s. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. And it's funny because those who were also born in the 1900s nervously laugh. Everybody else was like, he was. He was born in the 19. Those people still breathe. That's amazing. Um, I, I realize that like it makes me feel old. I can talk about like the good old days, right? But we all have good old days. Like it doesn't matter how old you are. We all have the good old days. We all have something we look back on. And, and you know, isn't it funny in retrospect, you tend to make things a lot better than they actually were like uh, high school. You know, like you, you look back and sometimes you go, oh, I haven't seen my classmates in 10 years, 20 years. Oh, I wonder what they're up to. You did not like those people. You didn't even like those people. Like you don't even like most of the people you go to high school with, but now they got cute 
puppies on Facebook and cute children, right? And you're like, oh, I just miss them. I wonder what they're up to. Like, we always think about retrospectively the good old days. Like, you think about college, and you go, oh, those were the best years of my life. Like, you weren't thinking about that when you were in a lab at 8 o'clock p.m., like, trying to figure out how to pronounce words. Like, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't your thought process, you know? So we always tend to look at the good old days as a little bit better uh, than, than they really are. And uh, guys, when we follow Jesus, when we begin to follow Jesus, we're going to get tempted. This is not like a might. You are going to get tempted to think back to the good old days of what your life was like before Jesus. And sometimes, some of us have really like amazing testimonies. And you're like, man, God brought me out of addiction and God brought me out of drugs and God brought me out of all this stuff. And so I don't even want to go back there. Man, that was deep and dark. But then there's others of us who look back and maybe it wasn't as deep and dark as maybe uh, you thought, but you're tempted to think, man, you know, especially when following Jesus gets hard, you might think, I don't know if God would be mad if I just picked this old habit back up, or if I just started doing this again, and we forget that the good old days probably weren't that good. And so today in the book of Ephesians, uh, we're going to be talking about the difference between uh, living a new life in Jesus where we have this new life and we're new creations versus still dealing with our old life and our old self. Because how many of you know, just because you start to follow Jesus, you become a new creation, your old life still hangs around sometimes. You ever notice that? Like you're following Jesus, but every now and then, like there's an old life that still peaks up to remind you it's there. So that's what we're going to do. So let's dive in today. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 17. And uh, I'm going to read part of it, and then I'm going to come back and explain some of it. And then I'll come back and read some more and explain some more, okay? So that's kind of, we'll kind of be back and forth. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. If you're there, say, I'm there. Man, I really appreciate that, because I was preaching at a church in Tennessee last week, and I just, I was like, turn to this passage, and if you're there, say, I'm there. All right, let's do this. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Thanks for playing my games. I'm sorry, there's no prizes. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality and greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That sounds horrible. Verse 20, but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it's corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed. Everybody say renewed. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, and true righteousness, and true holiness. The word of the Lord. Um, Hey, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You have a new identity in Christ. You have a new identity in Christ. 
and, and maybe like you want to even change that to I. I have a new identity in Christ. Because see, here's the thing. When Jesus gets involved, he doesn't fix things. He makes them new. It's kind of like I, I remember we have one of those um, creepy, possessed, robotic vacuum cleaners. Anybody else have one of those? Okay, yeah, no one wants to admit it, all right? Yeah, but I've, I've got one. It really is. It is absolutely crazy. Well, one day, I don't know what happened, but it was running, and we were in our new house, and uh, it was reprogramming, and I guess it just freaked out. And all of a sudden, like, I get all these messages on my phone, check this, check this, this is wrong, check this, check that. And I'm like, what is, what is happening? So Ellen and I walk over, and we find the, our robotic vacuum cleaner. We call it Chipper's Helper. Chipper's our dog. And we, we look at the vacuum cleaner, and guys, it is in 25 little pieces scattered all over the floor. And I'm like, how does that even happen? It literally self destructed. And, and I'm, I'm walking around. My first thought is, Evie, where are you? But she, she, was, she was fine. I don't even know if she could, you know, walk yet. She, she's doing her thing. I look over, then I'm like, Chipper? And he's, you know, sleeping on the couch because he, he runs as far away as he can from, from that little demon. And so he, he's doing his thing. So I'm like, Ellen, how did this happen? And she's like, well, did you do this? And I'm like, no, did you do this? No, did you? And so we're like, Maybe we should join forces and fight against that. And so, so we start calling the company, right? And I'm, I'm not, nobody calls the company. I'll be honest with you. I just got online and filled out a survey. And so we go on, we do that, and, and, and I hear back from just a couple of hours. I'm like, hey, this happened. I send them a, a, a photo of the thing on the floor. And they literally come back. They're like, Mr. Hembry, we're glad to help you. Your machine is certainly under warranty. We just need to figure out if we need to send you a few replacement parts. Like, um, and so thank you for the photo. Could you please describe to us how this happened? Absolutely. I pressed go. <laughs> Sent. They come right back a couple hours later. Mr. Henry, we understand that you just hit send, and it, it, uh, it, it did that. We understand that. We really want to help you. Could you please put it back together, <laughs> run it again, and take a video of it happening so we can understand what the problem is? No. <laughs> Never heard back. Five days later. UPS comes to the door, brand new vacuum cleaner delivered right there. <laughs> Guys, I promise you, like, like when we look at this, though, sometimes that's how we treat Jesus. We treat Jesus like he's just going to try to find some replacement parts to make us better. Guys, Jesus don't mess around with replacement parts. Jesus makes all of you new. Like, he, he makes you brand new. It, he loves you too much to let you stay where you're at. And so in his great love, he moves you closer to him and makes you a new creation. I just want you to see in this passage, there ain't no talk of Jesus going to fix just one part of you. Like you don't get to go to Jesus and say, I have this problem, but I don't want you messing with my marriage. I don't want you messing with my relationships. I don't want you messing with my major in college. I don't want you messing with my career. I just want you to fix this. Jesus don't work that way. Jesus says, I'm going to make you new. And so this is really good news, but first we have to understand that we actually have an old life. So the Apostle Paul, who's writing this, writing to the church, 
And what happened in, the, in this church is that there were a lot of new Christians. Now, here's what you need to understand. When the New Testament was written, there were no church people, okay? It's not like a bunch of people came over from the church in Philippi and were filling up the church at Ephesus, all right? It's not like a bunch of people got ticked off at Colossae and didn't like the worship style, so now they're going to Ephesus, all right? That, that didn't happen. Everybody's a new Christian, everybody in the church. And it's kind of like being part of a church plant where you walk in and you feel like you're the new person and then you realize everybody's the new person. I took like three weeks off in August. I came back the first Sunday. Somebody asked me how long I'd been coming to the church. It's like, well, a little bit. I, we all have an old life, and this church knew that. The problem is, now they were following Jesus, and Jesus was making them new, but the problem was that some of them were starting to dabble into their old life. Like they wanted the newness of Christ, and they believed in Christ, and they wanted the assurance of their salvation, but they still, like, they still were dabbling in some things from their old life. And Paul is saying, no, you're actually set free from that now. Like, you don't have to live that way. So he describes them. Listen to how he describes them. He says they were darkened by their, by their understanding. He said they were so ignorant that they were alienated from the life of God. Now, I want you to listen. He's not saying ignorant like calling them a bad name, okay? Like, we would get into a fight with someone, and we would go, you ignorant, you know? And uh, that's not what Paul's doing. He's saying, no, they were literally ignorant. Like, they did not know better. Like, they, they, they did not know. Remember, there's not like a bunch of theology books out there. It's just one. It's called the Torah. And that was it. That's all they had, all right? And so, so he's saying, like, they were so ignorant that they were alienated from God. He said their heart was hard and calloused. Here's what that means. It was hard, meaning they would hear something about Jesus or be told something, and they just had no room for it. You ever been like that where somebody's trying to tell you and you're just in a position where you're like, I got no room for that? Like I'm not, I, I literally remember talking to somebody, we had just started our first church uh, almost 12 years ago and Ellen and I sat down and we were trying to ask someone to come with us and we were talking and, and she, I remember she looked at us, she was like, why would I come to church? And we are like, because aren't you a Christian? Oh yeah, don't you love God? I love God with all of my heart. Well, how do you worship then? Oh, I worship in my car. I worship at work. I worship in my room. Like, I do all of that stuff. Well, great. Like, don't you know that you need a church? I'll never forget. She looked at me and she goes, yeah, I'm just not, that's not singing my song. And I'm like, well, sister, like, oh, well, I don't know what your song is, you know? Because church is like for Christians. And, and she had convinced herself, though, that she could live a life with Christ outside of a local church, which we see in God's word isn't true. And so, guys, that, that's a hardness of heart. It's like, my heart is so hard, I'm not even, I can't even listen to you right now. A calloused heart means one that has been, because your heart is so hard, somebody's been trying to get through to you, and it's just developed all these calluses on your heart. So now it's just rough and hard and hard to get through. Guys, listen, before any of us came to Christ, every one of us had a heart like that. Every one of us had a heart like that. He said, you guys are just surrendered to your sexual sin. He talks about sensuality. That's sexual sin. He goes, you guys are just surrendered to your sexual sin, and you're greedy to do all sorts of impure things. That means like, you guys can't wait to go do something impure. You know? It's crazy. He says, but the, the problem is that's who you were. And he says, so guys, now that you follow Jesus, you ain't going to live that way. 
Like Jesus has made you new. He's taken your hard heart out and put a soft heart in. He's removed the calluses and put purities inside of your heart. Like Jesus is making you new so you don't have to go back to this old life anymore. But guys, let's be honest. We've all struggled with it. Every single person in this room who has been made new in Jesus has had moments of looking back at their old life and wondering, what if, what if I had stayed there? What if I had done that? Or thinking, I'm so strong now that I'm in Jesus, it's not going to hurt me to go do this over here with my old squad. And the fact is, Jesus has made you new for a purpose, for a reason. And so Paul is talking to all of us, not just this church in Ephesians, but he's talking to all of us. So this is what he spends the rest of his time talking about. Now you've got a new life. So what does your new life look like? Okay. So I'm going to share with you guys three, three things that Paul says in this passage of what your new life is like. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, he says your new life is like a school. He said your new life is like a school. And it's really interesting because uh, if you go back and look at verse 21, it says, assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him about Christ. Now, this is what's amazing because this phrase, taught in Jesus, is found nowhere else in the Bible. This is a Pauline special right here in the book of Ephesians. Taught in Jesus. Isn't that weird, though? Like, wouldn't you imagine it would say something like you were taught about Jesus? But the problem is that's not what Paul was trying to say. He wasn't trying to say you've been taught about Jesus. He's trying to say you've been taught in Jesus. The difference is from academia to relationship. He's not saying you've been taught about Jesus as in you got some theology cred. He's coming over here saying, no, you've been taught in Jesus. Guys, you have a relationship with Jesus. You know Jesus because you love Jesus. It's not that I know Jesus because I listen to podcasts about Jesus. It's I know Jesus because, I, I, because I'm with him, because I'm spending time with him, because I'm in a relationship with him. And so he says when you're in a relationship with Jesus and not just an academic situation, when you're actually in a relationship with Jesus, reading his word, loving him, worshiping him, spending time with him, when you're in that relationship with Jesus, man, it changes everything. It changes everything. So the fact is, there were a lot of false teachers out there. A lot of people teaching false doctrines about Jesus. Uh, I call that TikTok. But like, there's a lot of false teachers, all right? The fact is, the amount of, of memes and videos I see shared just because it's got some emotional music behind it does not mean it's true. The Bible says, Ephesians says, Jesus is truth, period. Now, I'm not hating on Instagram reels or social media or TikTok. I got it, all right? I'm on it. I do it. It's cool. But listen, we test everything with the word of God, not based on how somebody wordsmithed something and made us laugh. Like, Jesus is truth. Um, number two, he says, your new life is like clothing. Kind of interesting. Paul says your new life's like a school where you learn Jesus, but your new life is also like clothing. Uh, notice he says, he says you put off your old self. 
says you put off, uh, in verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Like it was corrupt. Guys, this is what happens when Jesus saves you. When Jesus saves you, he takes off your old self. But listen to me. There's also another word I want to teach you called sanctification. Okay, everybody say sanctification. Okay, very good. Sanctification is the process of being made more like Jesus. Here's what it means. Sometimes people get saved and they put on their new self and everything is rolling. Everything is awesome. And then 12 months later, something happens and they hit a wall. And they're like, whoa, what was that? I thought Jesus made me new, but now I've got all these temptations to step back backwards into my old life. Brandon, what's that about? Am I even saved? Did Jesus save me? Do I even have a relationship with God if I fell back into my sin? Yes. Yes, you do. Because the, the putting on of your new self is something that happens when you're saved, and then it's something that happens continually and daily as you walk with Jesus. Because as you walk with Jesus, you deal, he deals with your sin on a daily basis, guys. And so, man, we talk about adoption, we talk about foster care, and I remember a friend of mine, uh, he's no longer with us, passed away, but he had adopted a child from Haiti, and he tells the story of how when he went to Haiti to pick them up and, and got them, and they were getting ready to go, and he was only going to be there for 24 hours, and they, they were leaving, and, uh, and, and he picked the child up, and the child had nothing, like nothing, had, had no shoes, no socks, had raggedy clothes, they were really old. And so he says, okay, and he goes to the store, and he gets some clothes, and he hands them to the child, and he says, uh, the child was kind of older, and he says, go to the bathroom, change your clothes, put on these new clothes. And so the child goes, gets them, goes in, comes out, just tears, because they had no idea how to put that shirt on, had no idea what socks were, had no idea, like, the shoes were on the wrong foot, and it just looked a hot mess, you know? And I, my friend said, I just started crying because I realized that, like, that is me. When Jesus says, great, you're a new creation, put on the new self. And we come walking out like a hot mess, you know. Here I am, you know. And Jesus like, dear Lord, what is happening, you know. And that, but that's us. But not only that, not only did the, that child get new clothes, that child was getting a new home. That child was getting a new family. That child was getting a new start. That child was getting a new legacy. That child was getting a new lease on life. Guys, that's what it's like when Jesus makes us new. He makes all of us new and changes it all. Here's number three, if you're taking notes. This is what else we see. Uh, your new life is a new creation. Your new life is a new creation. He says right here at the bottom that... Um, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. That means that God is making you more like him every single day. All right, let's uh, finish up this passage. Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 25. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to pick back up in verse 25. If you're there, say I'm there. I love it. Here we go. Therefore, everybody say therefore. All right, so now this is going to tell us what the previous passage was, therefore, okay, that's a little game I play. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, 
and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ uh forgave you. This passage and passages like it in the Bible are actually a large reason people are turned off from church. And I get it, because it becomes the list of don'ts. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you go to church and just every week it's a list of things you cannot do. It's like, hey, I'm trying to follow Jesus. Somebody's like, well, you need to stop doing this then. Why do you still do this? Stop doing this. Stop doing that. And and we start to look at this list, and even some of us start to get some anxiety, and we're like, oh gosh, here comes the guilt trip. And I understand, I get it. But guys, listen, we, we sum up a relationship with God sometimes as just a list of things I cannot do. I have a relationship with God, which means I cannot do everything I want to do. But guys, listen, in Ephesians so far, we've been talking about who we are in Christ. And because of who we've been made in Christ, there is a way that now we can live that honors Christ. And God's not going to do everything for us. He's not going to look at you and say, um, you know, we tell a lie, and, he say, and we say, God, where were you on that one? You know, he's not going to be like, oh, sorry, I, I was busy. I forgot to keep you from lying, you know. Like, he looks at us and says, no, if you will live this way, this will maintain you in your new self. And then he says, I've given you my Holy Spirit to be inside of you, to give you power and strength to follow my commands and do things my way, which leads to life. So it's important to know, that's why we've spent the last month on who we are in Christ, so that when we get to the how to live, we're not just saying, hey, do this stuff and don't do this stuff and have a great day, and if you fail, I hope you repent of your sins and I'll see you next week, all right? Like, that, that's not what we do. We've spent the last month talking about what Jesus has done for us, so that now we are prepared to understand what is expected of us as we follow him. So you need to know a few things about this passage. Number one, you need to know it's not an exhaustive list, which means like you don't read it and then go home and your spouse says, hey, um, you know, you shouldn't do that. That's sin. You go, well, pastor didn't list that one on Sunday. So I guess I'm good. Okay, this is not an exhaustive list. Here's your exhaustive list. Um, Go read it. This is not, but it is still relevant to us today. It was specific to this church, But again, it's still relevant to us today. Uh, Number two, you need to know this is not just a don't list. It is also a do list. So at church, sometimes I feel like we focus too much on the don'ts and not enough on the do's. Because if I do the do's, then I probably won't have time to do the don'ts, okay? And so if I can just focus on what to do, then that'll probably keep me out of the stuff I'm not supposed to do. And so the way that I have phrased things for us today is going to be in a positive manner, a list of things we should be doing that will keep us from doing the things we should not be doing. Um, And then you need to know, uh, number three, that these things have a lot to do with our relationships with one another. And so uh, I think it's amazing that the first 
the first list of things for us to live a new life have to do with our relationships with each other. And that's how important biblical community is. That's why we as Impact Church have built every iota of our vision based on our community group. What happens in our homes that meet together throughout the week, throughout Fredericksburg. Like, that's who we are as a church. Sunday morning is awesome. It's great. It pumps me up. I love it. It feeds my extrovertism. But, man, Tuesday nights at my house at 7 o'clock with my people that I live life with, that I can just be real with and be myself with, man, that's where church happens for me. And so these these directions happen like within the context of community. And then uh, here's the last thing. Paul doesn't just tell us what to do. He's going to tell us why it's important. And isn't that good? Like, like if somebody tells you to do something, I don't know about you, but um, every toddler I've ever raised, their very first question is, why? And then you tell them, and then they ask, and so, so for us, Paul is going to answer that question. So here, this, is, this is where we're going. So I want you to write these things down, um, and hopefully some of them will either convict you or equip you to help disciple someone else. Number one, what does it look like to be a new creation? Number one, new creations speak the truth. A new creation speaks the truth. He says right here, he says, <laughs> do not lie. Doesn't that just sound like, duh, like, don't lie. And he, he tells us why. Why? Why is this important to tell the truth and not lie? He says, because you're members of each other. He says, you're actually, as a body of Christ, you are connected to each other, so you can't lie. You got to be truth tellers. You got to be people who seek the truth. And remember earlier we read, who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. And so if we're close to Jesus, we won't lie. But if we're far from Jesus, we will lie. And so I think about this. Sometimes we think about lying in a very elementary sense, right? Like, well, that wasn't, it was kind of true. And there were parts of it that was true. And I don't feel particularly bad about it. So I guess I didn't lie. Eh, wrong. That might be your standard. God has a holy standard. Um, you may look at things like, man, this is a big one. Sometimes we look at things like ghosting not responding to people. Now, there are accidents. There are, I don't know, things that happen. I'm just making up a random, you know, like maybe someone sends you a text message and your three-year-old gets your phone and checks every text message that came in and doesn't tell you and you have no idea and responds with random emojis. Like, there are accidents that may happen. I don't know. If, I'm not saying that's happened. I'm just saying it might. There are those, but then there are the, the times that we get a message and go, I don't want to respond to that. And so we keep it on, we keep it on so that, you know, we don't leave them on red. We keep it lit up. We got 47 text messages, notifications on our phone because we just don't want to respond. Or we look at that and go, man, they want us to come over, but I don't know what my mood is going to be like then. And so I don't know, like in four days, I might be happy and want to come, or I might be sad and not want to come, or better yet, somebody might have a better plan than this. And so I'm just going to wait it out and see. Guys, that is lying. That is lying. I, I spoke to a professional counselor about this, and I asked him the question, like people now who like ghost, the phenomenon of ghosting, of like, I'm just not going to give you an answer. That way I don't lie. That way I don't break my promise. I'm just not going to say anything. 
which is a direct lie from what Jesus says when he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But, but I asked the counselor, like, why, why is this such a thing? Does it relate at all to our mental or emotional health? And he said, absolutely. He said, because we don't trust God enough to just say a yes or a no. That we believe that if we say yes, that God's not powerful enough to equip us and strengthen us to actually show up to someone's house for dinner when we said we would. There's a lack of trusting God to say, I, don't, I, I just think something else better might come along. And so instead of trusting God that this is where I'm supposed to be because there's an open door, I'm just going to wait and see and I'm going to make the decision. Guys, lying at the root is a lack of trust in God. And so I want to encourage us, man, as a church, that's something we have to do better because we are new creations. The rest of the world, like the Ephesians says, the Gentiles, the people who don't follow Jesus, that's how they live. But we as Christians, we honor our word and we give our word. Number two, he says, practice righteous anger. Practice righteous anger. In other words, this is what he says. He says, be angry and do not sin. Which is crazy, right? Because we're either taught like you have a big anger problem and anger is a sin. Or we go the other way and say, yes, I'm angry, but the Bible says be angry. But it also says be angry and do not sin. How do you know, how do you know the line? You know the line that when your anger leads you to other sins. There is a righteous anger. God gets angry. What does God get angry about? Sin. We should be so ticked off that we sin. Like it should make us angry. We should flip some tables at our own sin. Not at others, but at our own sin. Then when we flipped all the tables of our life, then we can start flipping some other people's tables. But until then, like we got to we should be really ticked off at our sin. What else angers God? Injustice. We should be ticked off that we have to have an orphans and widows Sunday. Because if one family from every church in America would adopt a child, we could do this thing. And that should make us angry and lead us to action and lead us to rallying the truth. So there is righteous anger, but there is also anger that leads to sin, such as using bad language manipulating people, verbally abusing your spouse, verbally abusing your children, throwing fits when you don't get your way, throwing video game controllers across the room. Uh-oh. He says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And a lot of times I've seen, especially couples, use this to manipulate each other and say, you can't go to bed mad at me because the Bible said not to let the sun go down on your anger. Which is crazy, because most of the time you're having the argument, the sun's already gone down. It's like, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> this is what it literally means. It literally means, don't let your anger fester longer than it needs to. Because it will lead to bitterness in your heart. So this is not a timeline. God is not saying, you have 12 hours to forgive me, or you're a sinner. So we don't use this to manipulate people, but we do use it to say, I'm not going to sweep this under the rug. I am going to attempt to reconcile as quickly as possible. Number three, 
It tells us that if we're a new creation, we should work hard and give generously. Work hard and give generously. Now, it plays out by him saying, don't steal. And this was a really common thing. Like, in this time period in Asia Minor, a lot of people were thieves. The economy was terrible. The, the workforce was horrible. And uh, people would, they'd work for six months at a time doing hard labor. They'd get laid off for the next six months. How were they supposed to live? There was no unemployment benefits. There was no benevolence funds, you could call. So what did they do? They stole. It's what they did. It was like such a common practice, people didn't even get angry about it. The problem is it's one of God's Big Ten Commandments, like it's on the tablets, you know. And so because of that, God is saying, hey, you don't live your old life. I know in your old life, when you didn't have a job, you would just steal from people. But in your new life, what we're going to do is we're going to go find a job, and we're going to work hard. And then when you work hard in that job, you are going to use that money, and instead of storing up for yourself treasures in he- on earth, you are going to be generous and give that money away to the kingdom of God's work. He says that's how a new creation lives. Number four, only use encouraging words. Only use encouraging words. Now it plays out, he says, don't let corrupt talk come out of your mouth. That word corrupt is the same word used to describe rotten fish. And we see all throughout Scripture that our words that come out of our mouth, the power of the tongue is life and death. Your words can build somebody up and make them conquer the world, or it can tear somebody down and kill their dreams and ambitions. One slip of the tongue. And so... God says, if you're going to live this new life, I want you to only use words that build people up. So guys, we got to ask ourselves the question, are the words that we use on a regular basis building people up or tearing people down? And it doesn't matter your personality or how, you know, we don't, like sometimes I'm really sarcastic. I know it shocks a lot of you, but I'm really sarcastic. And sometimes my sarcasm is funny And sometimes it's jerkish. And I have to be really careful of that. I have to make sure that when I'm using sarcasm, that I'm not tearing people down and destroying them. So i got to be quick to say, man, I'm really sorry. I'm just kidding. It was just a joke. I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said Like, you've got to be quick to do some of that. Like, sarcasm can, can do that. Gossip can do that. Gossip tears people down. Yeah, but they'll never know. Yes, they will. Things that are argumentative. You know, we all have the uncle that's going to visit in a couple of weeks. You know what I'm talking about? I I don't think that's the real president, you know. I'm just going to say like crazy things. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that in my sermon. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We'll cut that out. (laughs) No, (laughs) Like, we all have that crazy, but guys, our words, when they are used to be argumentative, talking about conspiracy theories, guys, there is a phenomenon, we talked about this at our elders retreat, like, there's this phenomenon, there are podcasts built around it, there are books being written on it, about this this newly found fascination of conspiracy theories. Now, if you're just sitting down talking to somebody, there's nothing wrong, but if you are in a group setting that is going to cause someone fear or cause an argument with someone, that is corrupt talk, and there is no place... For conspiracy theories, it is going to 
cause people confusion or cause people bellyache or hurt somebody's feelings, there's no place for that among God's people. We should be the ones going away from that. Vulgar jokes, words, you guys get it. Our words should give grace. Here's the last one, number five. Number five is we should be kind and forgiving. We should be kind and forgiving. Don't, don't you feel like you're in kids' ministry a little bit right now? Everybody get along. What's the Bible say? Be kind. Hey, y'all need it too. Me too. Guys, sometimes we are just really unkind people on social media, when we drive, and you go, I'm only unkind about other people to my spouse. That's unkind. doesn't matter if you think your spouse or your girlfriend or your brother or whoever you talk to is the only person that's going to hear it. The point is, don't say it at all. Because that means if you're just saying it to someone you think is safe, you're still saying it, which means it's still in there. And that's old, that's old person, that's old self, not new self. Guys, we've got to be kind and we've got to be forgiving. Anger, clamor, he says, those are just loud outbursts. Somebody who's just constantly, when they get frustrated or stressed, they say, oh, I'm sorry I yelled at everybody. I was just really stressed out. Slander, abusive language, manipulative language, gossip, malice, that's having hostility or ill will towards someone. Now, I know that in the church, at least in America, these things don't happen in the church, okay? I know that's only out there, but I'm being, sar I'm being sarcastic. I'm sorry I'm being sarcastic. Okay. Can you imagine if the church of Jesus was known for its kindness and its forgiveness? Could you imagine that? Like imagine if you invited someone to church and they were like, that's not really my thing. Everybody's just too nice and forgiving. Imagine if you didn't have to beg someone to come to church because they were like, man, I really could use someone that is just kind to me. That, that if I mess up, grace will be waiting for me. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up, but here's a couple of things I want us to think about today. Man, this passage ends with, I think, one of the most beautiful verses in the whole Bible. So let's read together the last verse of Ephesians 4.32. This is what it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You may think, Brandon, how am I going to do all of this? Well, let me encourage you. If there's something we've talked about today that you felt conviction of, I want to encourage you. For Number one, please do not leave this room with guilt. There is a God in heaven who knows you and created you, who is waiting to forgive you. He is waiting to forgive you. So you don't have to walk out of here feeling like, man, man, Brandon was like crazy today. Like, what was he talking about? I feel horrible. Like, listen, do not walk out of here feeling that because forgiveness is free. And it is waiting for you in abundance. So you don't have to think about, like, because here's the deal. Some of us sat here and we go, man, I got some stuff I need to work on. My old self is showing. And then other, other, others of us sat here and we're taking notes for other people. And guys, God wants to deal with us first. So here's the good news. We can do all of this 
and we can forgive other people who have done things that we think are unforgivable because Christ forgave us. So my, my heart for us today is that we would do this. Before you obsess over this list or changes that you need to make, obsess over this truth. Christ has forgiven me. Christ has forgiven me. And when you obsess over that truth, it will give you the strength and power that you need to do these other things. Because if you just try to muster it up, guys, you're going to feel guilty and then you're going to fail and then you're going to enter a cycle. And you're going to try again and fail and feel guilty and then you're going to try again and fail and feel guilty. The only way to exit the hamster wheel is to obsess over Christ's forgiveness in your life. And so we sit and we ask for forgiveness and we repent and we don't make excuses and we don't let our defenses go up and we don't start trying to excuse away all of our sin. We just say, Christ, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And as we obsess over Christ's forgiveness in our life, then we will receive the power to be able to forgive someone else. Because we will go, holy cow, if you only knew what Christ forgave me of on Sunday, you are totally forgiven. And that's how we do it. So I want to encourage you, if you're here today and you, like, you're still dabbling, like you would say, Brandon, I'm saved. I know I'm a follower of Jesus, but this old life has been pulling on me, man. Every time I go home and I see my old friends, it, they, the old life tugs on me, man. Brandon, every time, like, guys, listen, put on the new clothes. Put on the new self. Live in the new creation that God has called you to be. Christ has forgiven you. You're forgiven. Now live in freedom with some new clothes and a new wardrobe as a new creation with the new plans and the new destiny that God has for you for what Jesus Christ did for you. Man, let's pray together, church. Hi, Pastor Brandon here. Thanks again for listening to our Impact Church Sermon Podcast. If God has spoken to you today or you have a prayer request you'd like to share, please email us at hello at impactfxbg.church. If you're local to the Fredericksburg area, we would love to see you for worship in person. But if not, please let us know if we can help you find a gospel-centered church right where you're at. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram and on our website, www.impactfxbg.church. Until next time, keep living the dream.